Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Sean, joined, as always, by my brother, Ian. Ian, how are you doing, buddy? What's going on? Living the dream. What's up, everybody? Happy to, uh, happy to bring another episode. Let's get it going. So before we get to the new episode, this is our fifth episode. Bit of a milestone. We'll, we'll keep, keep track of that. We had our first guest last episode, Ian. That, that conversation was incredible. Any quick takeaways from Mike? I just love that guy and I'm rooting for him. Um, and I'm honestly, it makes me want to root for all, all the folks down, um, in the AHL going up and down between the AHL and the NHL, um, rooting for all of them to achieve their dreams and get back on the ice as soon as possible, whenever it's safe. New perspective for sure. Right. Mm, Without question. I urge everyone to go take a listen and trust me, it's not to listen to Ian and I talk. It's to listen to his story. It was incredible. That Maple Leaf stuff was absolutely insane. So again, check out episode four, Road to the Show with Mike Leambus of the AHL. But Ian, we have some real sports to talk about. We started a sports podcast or a podcast because I know that we're going to pivot and do some other stuff as well. But we started a podcast in a pandemic where there was nothing but conversation about should we be playing sports? And I know that you and I have talked about that at length, but we have some real stuff going on and we actually had a bit of a breaking news moment here as we were doing our run through before this for people, you know, keeping track at home where you wouldn't know this, but it's, you know, 8.30 PM on Sunday evening. I think it's the 28th, but this is when we're recording and they just dropped news. Ian, tell the people the news that was just dropped. So it looks like after lots and lots and lots of speculation um, during free agency, when, when Brady was leaning towards a, another franchise and you could tell in last year's game against Tennessee that he just was done there um so he obviously went over to Tampa Bay and there was speculation for a a long time that Belichick was going to get Cam Newton to take a heavy incentive laden deal uh, to come to New England then for months and months it didn't happen they promised they were going with Jared Stidham sure enough uh today about 25 minutes ago Adam Schefter broke that Newton will in fact be heading to New England um, to compete in that quarterback room with Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. Um, does, he walk in, does, he walk, does he walk in as your number one? Well, look, they're going to put on the facade like, you know, Jared's our guy and, you know, we love Hoyer's leadership and all that other stuff. You're going to hear that all, all summer. But Cam Newton is by far and away the most talented quarterback in that room. It's not even close. We're talking about a guy who – as early as two years ago in 2018 was throwing the ball at a completion percentage of almost 68%, which is breezian. So I don't want to hear any of this. Well, he's over the hill. The guy was hurt last year. It happens. It happens. If he's healthy, we're talking about former NFL MVP has a Super Bowl appearance. And we're talking about maybe one of the seven or eight best quarterbacks in the league. It's an absolute steal for New England, and I'm rooting for that dude hard. I agree. They're going to go in with that same narrative. Stidham's our guy. This is, this is more of a compliment. That's bullshit. It's not. He's the guy. Short of Stidham beating him out in camp, I agree with you 100%. There was a piece of news as well attributed to the, to the New England Patriots that just, just hit. I uh, just want to read this to you. The Pats will be penalized $1.1 million in a third-round pick for filming the Cincinnati Bengals practice if you remember Ian that was when they claimed that it was for some documentary that they were doing and it it really got swept under the rug because it's just the Pats being the Pats and and you know doing what they do which is well there's just no good reason to film the Bengals at all like what are you doing they suck Bengals want to watch film on the Cincinnati Bengals I agree so it just seems silly to me and look like Belichick lately in the draft hasn't been great where he's really great is obviously with um, you know, free agents, under, you know, undrafted free agents, guys like that. But we are talking about a situation where a third round pick is very valuable. I mean, you'd like third rounders to come in directly into your lineup and they lose one for being stupid. I agree. Two for two here, buddy. Two for two. So that's, uh, that's the breaking news portion of this. And we'll speak more on this as more comes out. Cause again, it just hit. So we'll get some, we'll form some new opinions. We'll talk about it, but we won't get to really have a, a fair opinion or assessment of it. Until we understand, we won't we won't know anything until we see how Cam Newton's throwing the ball until and how see, his shoulder right, looks. And right, that, we're just not going to know. We're right. not going to know. And Agreed. by the way, seventy-five or eighty percent Cam Newton is still better than half the quarterbacks in the league. I'm with you. I'm with you. So to the next topic here, Ian. 
baseball figured it out, I think, I guess. Um, the MLB and MLBPA couldn't figure it out. They did not come to an agreement. So your buddy, Rob Manfred, was given carte blanche to come up with his own plan. That plan was a 60-game regular season. The teams will play 40 games within their own division and 20 against an interleague division. For example, the Toronto Blue Jays will play 40 against their division, the AL East, and then 20 games against the NL East. So that also goes is the same for your Red Sox. The big point to me, and again, we're not going to go too crazy on this, but the big one to me is they are going to be playing in a semblance of their home stadium. So not everyone's going to get clearance for their home stadium, but there are going to be dozens, dozens of sites for games. What is your overall opinion on what is going on in baseball? Well, what I'll say is this. I mean, we're seeing a lot of – we're getting new information on what's happening with the Blue Jays every day. I mean, Shai Davidi of Sportsnet came out today and had basically looked like the Jays were packing up Dudley and leaving. Um, now, where they go from there, it sounds like they're packing up and heading north, whether that's to Toronto or Buffalo. We don't know. They're going to Toronto. They're going so to what Toronto. I, and what I will say is that the, the worry I have with baseball is it looks like – the difference between baseball and the NBA is that Silver and Silver's team's been putting this plan together for what feels like months, months and months and months. Every detail of their plan felt like it was gone through with a fine comb, and they were making sure there were no knots, and it was going to be as safe as it possibly could have. This MLB, MLBPA deal feels like it was a mishmash thrown together, and I'm worried about what's going to happen. I, If I can make a bold prediction, my prediction is that we do not see a World Series champion this season in the MLB. I think it's going to be, have to be canceled before that because this has been thrown together. I don't see any other way. I just don't. This is, I, I feel like we've talked about return to play on every episode of this podcast, and rightfully so, right? This is a, we love sports. We want to talk about sports, and we want to talk about when sports may be coming back. But we, we criticize the NBA for not, getting, for not, being, too, for not being creative enough. We criticize the NHL for not being simple enough. This is just outright ridiculous. Ridiculous. And give me a minute here because I, I, need, to, I need to talk about this. They want they, – what they're doing is completely philanthropic. It is not about the health and safety of these athletes. You are going to have these guys going to different states, different countries – and simulating within and assimilating within the community. You can't, you don't know what these guys are going to do in the game when the lights shut off. They're talking about, if you read this stuff, they're talking about, well, a, a new player accountability is going to have to, it's going to have to be something that really stands up in moments like this. Are you kidding? At least the NBA, th- their big issue is they have to figure out if players are going, if, sorry, not players, if, if staff and people that work the events, not even employees of the teams, where they go after all of this because they're the ones that are having this. You're going to have players, family. They go home to their families at the end of these games. They go home to their families. This is ridiculous. You are putting people's lives in danger. And this is not just like, oh, well, you could get hit by a bus if you walk out your door one day. This is a a global pandemic that we're dealing with. And this is the idea that you come up with. To me, completely unacceptable, completely idiotic. I love baseball. I want to see it work. You look at the NHL. Really, real quick tangent, and I'm sorry. Real quick tangent on this. Okay, you look at the NHL. You want to look for a model province or a model state that's doing something right? BC. Look at BC. BC. 2,800 total cases. 2,800. You have Florida. 9,000 new cases, an all-time high, 3,400 higher than their previous. Their pre, their, the difference in their, two, in their days is higher than what they have total right now. It's, and they said, no, you know what? We can't control what these guys are doing, even though, it's, even though it's a bubble, even though it's a hub. We don't want it. That was the one place that could do this. And if they're saying that we don't want this, we have to really step back and think, do we even need this right now? Do we need this right now? So I want to transition into the Jays, but I want to cut in because this builds off of this. We, we love sports. Have you 
been surprised at how much or how little. You know what? Let me rephrase that question. I apologize, Ian. Have you been surprised or not at the level of sports that you've missed? Does that question make sense? I feel like I'm asking it wrong, but so, we, we so literally have sports in our life every single day, but we haven't. Have you been, so I've been surprised that I, I haven't died. You haven't crumbled into a mess. No. Well, what I'll say is this. What, what I'll say is this. You know, right now, the way I'm thinking about it is right now, all we normally have is we have, you know, middle of the season baseball. You know, uh, you have some golf majors, tennis majors, things like that, WNBA. It's a great which, point. It's a great which, point. Which, again, you know, you have some diversity. I've definitely noticed a difference. I feel like I'm doing, I'm getting into different stuff, uh, you know, trying new stuff in the starting kitchen. A, starting a podcast. Starting a podcast. No, because, because you're not consumed by it all. But the, the only reason I find the baseball discussion to be, you know, shrug emoji is because I, I just don't trust it. And I don't trust Manfred. I, I put it this way. I wouldn't trust, I wouldn't trust Manfred to load my dishwasher, let alone set up the major league baseball season. And it's, it's showing, it's showing it's a mess. It is an absolute mess. And Disaster. so, so what am I going to get excited about? What am I going to get excited about? And this is all notwithstanding the fact that I was so done with John Henry and the Red Sox after this Mookie Betts disaster. That's all of that notwithstanding. This just doesn't interest me because it makes me feel bad for those players. It makes me feel bad for their families. Agreed. And one, there is one note that is important is that in every sport, you are going to have people that feel some type of way about the virus. And you're in baseball. You are going to have people like that jerk off Aubrey Huff. No, it's a melting pot of society. There are people may, that are going to not think, believe this. Who may think that this isn't real. Agreed. So whether those, are, whether those athletes or those executives or those league officials are the influential people in the room, I don't know. I'm not in the room. But we are in a situation where we don't know where everyone's head's at. Not everyone's going to look at the data and be like, hey, this is a mess. You have jerk-offs like Aubrey Huff and all these guys out there all the time talking. Your boy, Kurt Schilling. Yep. So what it's best to, it's best to pray everyone stays safe and that's it. And that, at least, at least this for, at least this for basketball, at least I give them credit. Like they have the opportunity to actually do this in, in the most safe manner. Like you're literally shutting yourself. They can shut everyone off from, from society if they want to. If the, well, if the they, worst part about the baseball plan is that you have a blueprint. You're just choosing not to follow it. And, the t and they had the opportunity to do this a lot sooner in states where it, it wasn't running rampant. But, hey, we talked about this enough. Let, uh, let's digress. I'm over baseball. We have a, we have a lot, we have a lot to talk about. Um, I'm over baseball. Really, really quickly on the Blue Jays. So I mentioned who they're going to play. They released their 60-man roster, the extended roster for uh, COVID today. The two cool topics of this that, that can come of this is, uh, is uh, Pearson and Groshans like, that were prospects that are included in this as, as non-players. Right. You have no reason not to play them. Well, Pearson is the interesting one. I'm just going to say this quickly. Pearson, seven days, they hold them out. One week, which would be a start, and you get a full year of eligibility. So if a season starts, which we don't think it will, that is an option. Oh, another, I think it'll start. I don't think it'll finish. Okay. Okay. I don't think it starts. Um, another sports topic from this week, and hand up, accountable here. I didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> it's, I live in sports. I didn't know that a draft lottery was going on this week. So there was a draft lottery. It had a wild, wild finish. So they were drafting. It was for the top seven spots. But – Teams that are currently going to be playing in the play-in system in the NHL had a 2.5% chance of jumping up into the top three. Well, what happens? One of those teams jumped up to number one. So where you had the Ottawa Senators and, and, the, and the Detroit Red Wings really vying for that number one overall pick, the new draft lottery results are team to be named later, the Kings at two, Senators at three and five, Red Wings at four, Ducks at six, Devils at seven, Buffalo Sabres at eight. Ian, who is your biggest loser here? Because there's a few. So a couple things. Um, first of all, 
I just want to say to all the Sabres fans out there, you guys can't even get losing right. So congratulations on that. Number two, what I will say is I feel the worst. So the biggest lose here is obviously Ottawa, right? But one thing I will say is that I feel for Red Wing fans. And the reason I feel for Red Wing fans is because that franchise has been such a model for so long that if anyone deserved, if anyone deserved after all of their consistency and their winning and all of their success, if anyone deserved that ping pong ball to bounce the right way, it was that organization. Now, they tanked egregiously in 2019-2020 with the shot of getting Lafiniere. Obviously, it didn't work out. So I, I will say I do feel for Wings fans. Um, to the Senators, as Sitzik Sarrell first put it, he said, God hates the Senators. And to all fans out there, <laughs> you can't look at what's happening to the Senators, that horseshit owner, all of the, the, the horrible Matt Duchesne trade, you know, the Carlson mess, everything that's happened, okay? You cannot look at that franchise and say that they are not the Cleveland Browns of the NHL. Because they just are. No, they're not. No, I can. They are not. They were in a conference finals like three years ago. The Browns can't say that. They just have, to your point, I'm sure he's a nice guy. (laughs) That guy is an idiot. What he does. and He doesn't spend the money. Doesn't resign. Melnick? Yeah, Melnick. He's a bum. So, to that point... Hold on. One last thing on the Senators. If you do not have the money to own a sports franchise, no one is making you own the team. If you don't want to spend the money and you're constantly trading for guys with contracts where all the money's been paid out and you don't give a shit that your arena's built in the wrong city and all that other stuff, then don't own the team because no one asked you to. You, you don't need to. I'm actually the opposite of you. Uh, my, well, you're wrong. I th- I, no, I, the, I think the biggest loser here is Detroit. 39 points. 39 points they had. Yeah, they tanked egregiously. A mockery. A mockery with that, okay? And they end up at fourth with one pick. Who I feel for, I feel for the Ottawa Senators fans. I feel for them. Yeah, they deserve better. They deserve Ottawa Senators fans. They deserve better. They deserve better. But one thing, so if you're Ottawa, if you're Ottawa, how are you not? How are you not? Whoever the play-in team is, Okay, whoever the playing team is, how are you not the as soon as that result is in? Ah, that's one of my questions. Them, how are you not calling them and going three and three five? Three and five. I, I was I was actually that was one of my questions. Because they that is what they need. That is what they need a no doubt face of the franchise. And if, if you walk anyone away, that had eyeballs in December, that's Lafiniere. If you walk away from this draft though, because their capital is immense. If you walk away from this draft with Quentin Byfield or Stutzel, and you walk away with either Marco Rossi or, um, or uh, Drysdale, or if they go Jake Sanderson, who I saw play, guys, a stud. If you walk away with that, that's okay. That's okay. But Detroit, Detroit, they did this for Lafreniere, and they didn't get it. That's why they are the biggest losers. And this Carlson deal looks wild. Wild. So let me so, so let me just say this. Let me just say this. I have two points and then we move on. I will say this. Number one, the reason why if I'm a Wings fan, I'm not stressing is because of who's running my franchise. That's number one. That guy knows what he's doing. Just look at what's let going me, on. Let me clarify. I'm not saying that stressing or that they're in a bad... I just said they were the biggest loser from the draft. No, level. I understand that. But the reason I wouldn't... Because put it this way. When the Leafs won Matthews, if they didn't get number one, as a Leaf fan, I would have been completely dejected. Exactly. That's okay. why Detroit's the biggest losers. But, but for Detroit, but for Detroit, I know, I know that I have I know. Steve Eiserman running my franchise. So even if because I know that Eiserman knows what he's doing, and if we're wherever we pick, we have a chance to get the next Cole McCarr or whomever. Okay. My my last thing I want to say: if you don't think that these play-in teams that have a chance to get the number one pick aren't going to be openly rooting for their team to lose for their team to lose in this tournament or whatever it is to get in the NHL, to get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, there are people that are going to be openly cheering. If I was a Leaf fan, I would be openly cheering for them to lose because they're not going anywhere anyway. You might as well give yourself a ping pong ball's chance to get a number one. As the resident Leaf, Leaf homer here, I disagree. I'll keep this quick. 
when it comes to hockey, anything can happen. Having talent is always, always a good thing. And the Leafs have talent. The goal here should not be to lose. The goal here, and as fans, obviously the players aren't going into this like, ah, we might get a left winger who's a generational talent. If we lose, let's shudder. That's not how players think. That's not what I'm talking about. As fans, as Leaf fans, you are going into this wanting to beat Columbus. Do, do not think of it any other way. If you lose after you're done crying for two days because your team disappointed you once again, then that's your pick-me-up. But you should be going into this saying, we have a young team. We are talented. Anything can happen. That's what you should be doing. Uh, one thing I want to ask you quickly before we, get to the, before we get to some other topics here. What is your overall – like, what's your thought process on lottery and, and basically where teams draft? I'll give you mine first. I've always been of the opinion that you shouldn't have a lottery. If you want to tank, you can tank. You are losing revenue. You're, you're losing morale. You're losing a, a fans by losing. So if you want to do that, and that's a strategy, just like you can in the NFL, that should be the outcome. But I was listening to Brian Burke talk this week, and he, and he kind of he persuaded me a little bit. You need to limit the lottery. So that's where I've netted out. Top, the bottom five teams are in the lottery. That's it. And it's tiered, and you just go from there. So a team like even Buffalo, even Buffalo, who obviously has a generational uh, – is Eichel generational? Yeah, he's, he's, he's really good. Uh, a, a talent like Eichel on their team, and, and they got some pieces. They should not have a chance to win the lottery. In a regular year, if the Columbus Blue Jackets, team that, that finished with 90, that could have finished with 90 something points, should not have a chance to win the lottery. My overall opinion has always been that if you suck and you, or if you suck on purpose or just because you're in, you know, incompetent, you should be able to just pick where you ended. Where do you stand on this? Well, here's, here's, here's my thoughts on it. Um, number one, if you're picking in the lottery every year, chances are you're blowing these picks anyway. And it doesn't matter where you pick. You're an inept organization. You're not going to get it right as it is. Hashtag Sacramento Kings. That's the first thought that came to my my mind. Number two is I don't have a problem with the lottery. I think a lottery in a vacuum really works. But I think it works better in – I don't mind that all these random goofy teams have a chance in the NHL to get the number one pick. Like It doesn't really bother me because, you know, as being an avid NBA guy as I am, we've seen – tanking how deliberate tanking can get in the nba and i think in the nba if you don't have the lottery the tanking would be so egregious and so deliberate because of the star power that's needed that it would be unwatchable for I'm, I'm with a you. third of the league a third of the league so well, and, and in and, the nba sorry let me jump in quickly and in the nba one player legit changes your entire franchise a single player so it, I, I guess by sport it's different but for hockey let's stay hockey specific here just like in the nfl you can tank, get one player, you still have a 52-man roster. Yeah, but the whole point is that tanking isn't working. You've seen the last two drafts, tanking does not work. So for teams out there that say, hey, we need to suck and we need to get the number one overall pick in this and this, it's not working. So this needs to encourage teams that, hey, Ottawa, maybe I should spend some freaking money and try to be good. That is, that is what the lottery is for, is to encourage teams to compete. Because if you're fringe teams, people just won't go to the games. And that no, is help your sport. Yeah, no, so there is no option. There is no, the NFL is a different animal. That, the Lions go 0-16, and that arena is still going to be full, filled with people. In basketball and hockey, that's not always going to be the case in some markets. So... The lottery is absolutely necessary. There's no universe where we can have it without it. I'm with you. I'm with you on this. In the NBA, you need a lottery. I love the TV, the, the production side of it for TV. I love that angle. I think that's great. Gives us something else to watch. Again, I was always of the mindset that for hockey, if you want to suck, suck. It's your, it's your problem. And then go get, and go get that player. But, yeah, but it, hurts, I, I have, it hurts the sport. Yeah. It hurts the sport. And, and, I, and I'm saying – more in the NHL than it does in any other league. I, any I'm, other all league. that I'm saying is I have been turned, and I would, like a, I would like a modified lottery system here. That's what I would say. I don't disagree, but there's no scenario where, no lottery, where having no lottery works because it doesn't. It hurts the sport too much. So from losers to winners, Ian, we have a champion in the Premier League, Liverpool. 
after 30 years, have won the Premier League title. They have two Champions League titles within that time, so stop crying, Liverpool fans. But we have a Premier League title awarded with a lot with games in hand here. Uh, they, they cleaned up this season. Any quick thoughts on Liverpool? I have to say, hard not to be happy for Liverpool and their fans. There was a real stretch there where we thought COVID was going to wipe out the season, and there was a chance that Liverpool wouldn't get the chance to be EPL champions. They deserve it. They're the best Premier League team, maybe the best European team I've ever seen. They are unbelievable. And I will say this, Klopp is, to me, the best manager in all of soccer. The, the energy the passion, and his modern tactics, they're amazing. He inspires his players. And yeah, it helps. They're loaded. But he's the puzzle piece that makes it all work. And they didn't just win. They dominated. And I'm thrilled for them. I'm not going to go there and Klopp yet. Not going to go there and Klopp yet. Um, I'll save my opinions on that for another podcast. But I would say this. I'm looking at this selfishly as an England fan. I'm a Chelsea fan, as you know. So... Yay, good for you, Liverpool. Proud of you. Glad for your fans. All that. England. I am. This has me excited. Trent Alexander-Arnold had a year. -year 21-year-old right back. And that kid is fantastic. Yeah, really good. His vision and his ability with the ball to find open players and to make the right play is uncanny. We saw it a little bit. But if you don't think for one second that that part of the reason that he's flourishing is because – of Klopp's tactic of getting everything forward, then you're just crazy. Well, I, 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 I don't, I don't, this is what I would say. In general, I don't disagree. That's one of the issues that you find when you have these unbelievable talents, especially in England, because they haven't been able to get an England manager right forever, is that they play a certain way, they play a certain style that's, that's competitive, that is successful, and then they go to their national team and they play this disgusting defensive style of soccer that they're not used Kick to. Kick and run. And he is, he is fantastic. I'm really excited about that. Um, their team was, as, as you said. Off the charts. Off the charts. Uh, last piece before we get to our feature story tonight, Ian. Hockey Hall of Fame this week. Delegated. Met for eight hours, I think. And came out with their inductees for the 2020 Hockey Hall of Fame induction. That is Jerome Ginla, Marion Hosa, Doug Wilson, Kevin Lowe, Kim St. Pierre, and as a builder, Ken Holland. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this over to you quickly. I want to preface this. We are obviously going to talk about people that were not brought in or inducted this year. But this is Hall of Fame stuff, guys. Like everyone is, for the most part, these guys, these guys are deserving. So jump in here, Ian. What do you got for Hockey so, Hall of Fame? So there are a lot of people out there, um, and I don't disagree. I think Alex McGillney should be in. Um, I think Alfredson has a case to be in. I mean, all these guys have cases. The fact that they're out there means they have cases. McGilney, to me, was the biggest one. But here's the problem. Everyone likes to say, oh, oh, snubs. It's like the same thing with All-Star. Bradley Beal got snubbed on All-Star. Well, who are you taking out? So I have the same argument here. Who are we taking out? So Jerome McGinley was the was check one of the biggest locks that we've seen on in the oh, Hall the of Fame. Big, yeah, Nicholas in a while. Was, with this yeah. with this class, automatic lock. I mean, you go through you go through his you go through his resume. Twenty NHL seasons, six hundred twenty-five goals, six seventy-five assists, thirteen hundred points, and over a thousand penalty minutes. Eleven straight seasons of thirty-plus goals, two fifty-goal seasons, and was like a bounce away from winning the cup. And the best part: twenty ten gold medal game, U.S. the golden goal golden makes goal. an unbelievable Iggy, pass. Iggy, 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 it's unbelievable. Okay absolute lock Hosa um you know some people are mad you know in Ottawa circles that it should have been Alfredson not Hosa you know what Hosa has three cups so let's move on from there uh Kim St. Pierre unbelievable unbelievable absolute beast three gold medals five world championships four civils four silvers unbelievable longevity absolute g she's a lock so Ken, we talked about Detroit. Kenny Holland built those teams. They were amazing for 20-plus years. What are we talking about? He's not going to get in. So the next two cases are guys that we didn't necessarily see. Yep. We didn't see Kevin Lowe. You know what Kevin Lowe has? Six cups. That's next. right. Next. That will never happen again. Doug Wilson, it's hard to know. He won a Norris. That means something. I, I, he, 
he was nowhere near the the time where I watched hockey. I'm just gonna have to give the older dudes the benefit of the doubt on this one. Of Guys, course, Bagilney, Alfredson, their time will come. Yeah, the their three the three that got thrown around were Alfredson, Flurry, and McGillney, right? We have a personal bias to Alexander McGillney. He played on the Toronto Maple Leafs when we were very much in <laughs> when we were very much in contention. And we love the player. Than- I wonder, and I wonder with Flurry too, not to cut you off. I wonder with Flurry is that I wonder biased. if any of his personal life became part of it. We, which it should, I mean, Could. we should be applaud- sh- we, but we should be applauding him for his strength and getting through that. Agreed. And by the way, by the way, we are talking about of that generation, one of the best sco- goal scorers around. And one of the most iconic images in, in hockey comes from. Yeah, sliding across. Like, exactly. He's, he's phenomenal. But again, does and, that mean you get into the, into the hall? No, we're not saying that. But what we are saying is... To me, he's deserving. But the re- time they, they all are deserving. They all deserve it. Um, I hate Daniel Alfredson. Uh, I, 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 I hate him. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And hopefully his time will come. So, we did it. We got here. Vin Sanity, Air Canada, VC has hung him up, Ian. Your first true love in sports is gone after 22 years in the NBA. There's a lot of different directions that we can go, and this is our feature story for tonight, for everyone keeping track at home. There's a lot of different directions that we can go. So I'm going to leave it up to you. There are two areas that we can, that we can start. Because I'm assuming you have a prelude to this. So I'll let you get there. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you go one of two directions. I'm going to give you the mic. Um, you can either go most memorable moments for Vince or his overall legacy and should his jersey be retired. I'll leave it up to you. So I want to get to the jersey retirement where he stands overall. I really want to get to that. The one thing I will say when you're outlining his nicknames, nicknames you forgot, half man, half amazing. Um, yes, which I is, did. Yes, I had to I did. check basketball reference to make sure we didn't forget any. That is one we forgot. Um, the one thing I, I, you know, one thing I'll start with is that the reason why the Raptors, the reason why Canada basketball, the reason why fans like myself, uh, you, um, the reason why that's all the case of why basketball is exploding in this country through all those different avenues, through the Raptors, Canada basketball, and fandom, is because of Vincent Lamar Carter. It is just a fact. When he came on the scene, he came on the scene, he was everything for that franchise. He was a no-doubt star. And the best part was they fleeced another franchise to get him. And as a Raptor fan, I know we were, we were babies. We, the, the Raptors were, were relative babies when all that happened. But to see our dinky franchise fleece another one to get a superstar like Vince meant everything he changed he changed this country sorry remind me what was what was the deal so on draft day golden state and toronto agreed to a swap they agreed to swap north carolina teammates antoine jameson and vince carter for each other on draft day now antoine's gonna have an interesting hall of fame case based on the points he scored that's the topic of a different podcast um but vince was just everything and he changed what basketball meant in this country. And I understand that it, and I will get to all this, that it didn't end on the best of terms, but he changed it for everyone. And he deserves, when, when we talk about the champions and that parade and everything that surrounded the beautiful season that was the 2019-2020 Raptors, we need to thank Vince Carter for what he did for making that shit possible. I cannot disagree with you more. I well, cannot. Then you're just wrong again. No, you need to thank Kawhi Leonard, not well, Vince course. Carter. We are talking about a guy, and I think we've already set the tone for where this is going to go. You're talking about a guy who did more for the country of Canada than he ever did for his own team. So, if you're going to say that that is what set the tone, we're talking people. We're going to get to YouTube. So you can see Ian's face right now is fantastic. We are talking about a guy who, without question, put the Raptors on the map, okay? We are always looked at as the little brother to the United States, as always. But he got people in that country to love this team. 
because of how fun he was. He was, we talk about generational talent a lot on this podcast. That dude early was sick. He was ridiculous. There was, and I know part of this, I'm stepping on a little bit what you want to do. And I don't know that you've, that you've written this down, but you're my brother. It's my, I've known you for almost 30 years. So I have a feeling you're going to go this way. There was a moment where it was Vince, Kobe, and T-Mac. And Vince was the guy at the time that people said, yeah, that's the guy who's going to make it. That's the guy. That's who you want. But if you, you sit there and say to me that we need to stand up and applaud Vince Carter for last year's title is ridiculous. Oh, am I allowed to jump in now? The reason, the reason there were 2 million people of that parade is because he captivated people for, he captivated people and kids at my age. And I bet you, you looked out at that parade. All the majority of the people that were out there were around our age. And it's because that dude captivated people at that age. And when you saw him hoop, when you were a kid, you never missed another game again. And all of those people out there, sure, you had some people that maybe hopped on the bandwagon late. But the reason for the capacity of that type of love for this franchise began with this man. It is, it is, he is the foundation that, that Raptors fandom is built. And there's just no disagreement because if they take Anton Jameson and he – he bumbles around for five years, gets 20 points a game, and they trade him for a first-round pick that they end up blowing. Where are we, right? Where are we? Now, I understand, and, and I'll get into how the trade happened and, you know, and how it turned out. I'll get into all that. that <laughs> you are so heated right now. <laughs> that didn't necessarily set up our future. That didn't set up our future. But it, Vince is what made our fans the future of the franchise. What made- the reason why people come to this arena – why, why people come to Scotiabank Arena now, why, why fans, executives, media, why they come to that arena and they can't hear themselves think during playoff games is because of the foundation that was set when Vince was here and he captivated all those kids out there. And for all those people, hang on, for all those people that out there that are going to say, oh, well, he quit on the franchise. Let's do an exercise. You ready for an exercise? Here's what we're going to do. That organization for his young prime. They traded him at 28. So for his young prime, okay, completely, completely, completely shit the bed. Okay? They, ref- they could not surround him with anybody. And the reason he initially left, the reason he was wanting out and all this stuff, hated Sam Mitchell. They actually got in a fist fight in the locker room. Asked Jalen Rose. Uh, it's not a fist fight. He body, body slammed him. Okay. Because Sam Mitchell said that, uh, why do you get hurt so much? Why are you always on the training table? Yep. And the next reason is because Vince and Richard Petty couldn't stand each other. And there was an understanding that Richard Petty was going to go out and hire somebody that was going to help grow the franchise. And instead of going to the guy that Vince believed was the guy, they went and hired Rob Babcock. And oh, by the way, that went horrible. It went horrible, went as expected. So let's do an exercise. From 2000 to 2004, okay, well, let's say that is Vince's <laughs> peak prime with the Raptors. Let's go through their first-round picks from that time. 2000, Morris Peterson. In that horrible draft, I think Mo Pete's pretty good, okay? 2001, Michael Bradley. Who the hell is that? That's two picks before Zach Randolph. That's 11 picks before Tony Parker, and that's 14 picks before Gilbert Arenas. 2002, they traded the pick, which ended up being Kareem Rush to the Lakers. That Lakers pick was two picks before Tayshaun Prince. You know who they traded? The pick they, you know the pick they got from the Lakers? You know who it was? Chris Jeffries. How'd that go? 2003, Chris Bosh, finally. Finally. Someone falls a lot. They get one right. Next year, 2004. Rafael Arujo, one pick before Andre Iguodala. Can you think of a better running mate for Vince Carter and Chris Bosh than Andre Iguodala? I can't. What would you like him to do? What would you like him to do? Am I, is it my turn now? Can I go? Are you okay? Hold on. Let, let's pause this. 
Are you oh, okay? I got lots left. Are you okay? I got lots left. This is this is this is almost twenty years of this nonsense from this fan base. It's not nonsense. This the, uh, everything that you said about what he did to grow the game in Canada, unequivocally true. Every Canadian player you see come up now, every single one, either has one of two people that were their favorite player. Let's go with three, because again, I'm around a lot of the of the, of the young Canadian basketball players as part of my job. It's Kobe, Steve Nash, or Vince Carter. Correct. And Vince was a massive part of that. That guy deserves every ounce of respect when it comes to putting basketball on the map in this country. Without question. I am not disputing that. I am not. All that I want to ask you, because, and you know what? Fuck what I want to ask. Let's, let's pivot this. If you look at what Vince did in 2004, 2005, if you put that with the lens on right now of the player empowerment era of 2019, 2020, his reasoning, the way, it's not the way he went about it, because I'm going to argue that. The reasoning and just the overall motive and result of, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. I'm leaving, get me out, is completely understandable, completely his right, and it is commonplace now. That's what you get. Well, especially, hang on. He went to management and said, can we please have a good team? Like, please? Please? Was this this before or after he signed a six-year, $94 million deal? Because that happened in the summer of of 2004. That happens all the time. All so he signs. A, so he he didn't have to sign. He did with a team that he did not want to play on. His words, not mine. An organization that he felt he felt was running them into the ground. His words, not mine. And signed a long-term lucrative deal. And yes, I am very careful. I'm very careful about the injury side. I am. Okay, because. This whole, I know that the big narrative around Toronto was that he faked injuries. He was, he was just doing this to get out of town. I do not pretend to have that answer. And I don't, and as a person that does not know, and I would love to have someone on that has some more intimate knowledge that would be open to talking about it. But because I don't know, that's not fair to pin on him, in my opinion. If I, was in, if I was following the team and I knew like, oh, this guy was just milking this to, to get back at management, that's one thing, but I don't know. So I'm not, I'm not going to pin that part on Vince, okay? But how he left is on him. He made a mockery of that. You sign that deal, when you have an opportunity just to leave, which he didn't, you sign that deal, and then it's, and then it's all this stuff. And the biggest point to me, the one that, and I, I forgot about it, and when we were doing the research for this podcast, I was so happy that I found this. Do you remember the quote that he said, I'm done with dunking. I need to think about my health. Do you remember that? After he signs his big deal, I'm done with dunking. Which, by the way, does not affect management. By saying something like that, you're speaking directly to the Toronto Raptors fan base. I'm done with dunking. I'm done. What happens? Gets traded to, to the Nets. This guy's windmilling all over everyone's fucking face. So yeah, it, it left people sore. This is one of those. Like it if you don't like it, don't waste a generational talent's prime, like the organization did. I'm not. Now, I'm not. I'm not. No, ar- hold on. Hold on. I am not arguing that Toronto did right by Vince Carter. I'm also not arguing, as I mentioned, that he is not extremely important to the growth of a sport in this country that was traditionally put in the back seat, right? Hockey country. Basketball was second nature. It was, it was an afterthought. Now, Toronto is extremely diverse. Now look at it. I know. I'm with you. So we can go one of three ways. Because I know the biggest... Hold on, I, hold on, I, hold on. I, the biggest conversation for us is going to be, should his jersey be retired? And I want to save that for last. It's going to be so the I, shortest discussion of this podcast. So I want to be... Let's, let's lighten it up, Bello. What are your most memorable Vince Carter moments, good or bad? So the first one is obviously the dunk contest uh, in Oakland. 
It was unbelievable was to well. this day. To this day, the reverse, the reverse windmill, is of is is one of the most epic things I've ever seen. To this day, to this day, okay. And I am the biggest Aaron Gordon fan going. And other than any Aaron Gordon dunk, it's the best dunk I've ever seen. Okay, that's number one. Number two, honestly, I am going to say the 2001 playoffs because that is the first time in my whole life that I felt like that franchise had a shot. The 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 shot in general or just... Let me finish. And the reason we had a shot is because we had him on our team. So everyone likes to talk about game seven. He went to go graduate in Carolina, flew back and missed his shot. So let's just put that in perspective for a moment. Number one, the guy wanted to go graduate. Are you guys kidding me? Are you kidding me? And the shot he took, the shot he took, like there aren't many dudes who are making that anyway. Okay. And by the way, the best part is he made it years later with Dallas. Almost the same shot. Okay. So hold on. The thing I love about you want want to go graduation right now? The thing I love about that series and Vince is that Vince took the MVP of the league and went one for one with him. You go 30, I'll go 39. You go 50, I'll go 50. And here's the thing. That series and that season played 40 minutes a game. Average of 27, 5, and 4. 76% from the free throw line. 41% on threes on five a game. And 46% overall field goal. If that guy's taking eight, we're talking about the eight threes a game. We're talking about the MVP of the league. Okay. You, You can't slide in graduation like that. You can't do that. Because that that's a topic. So I want you to postpone that to when his jersey is being retired. Because that, you know what? No, no. because, no, because no, all no, that no, matters. No, 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 all no, no, that no, matters. No, no, because it, it is the first thing that this fan base jumps on. Well, the shot he missed in 2001. You want to talk to me about that series, let's talk about the series. I, he was in incredible that series. in that those series. Stats, those stats I just read you only got better in the playoffs. In a pivotal game three, Vince threw up a 50-piece. I know. That's one of Put my... Us up two one. One. Put one us up 2-1. One. Hold on. Hold on. It's one of my most memorable moments. Is game, game six. three. Game after six fo- to keep us alive. Following up after AI dropped 50-plus in game two to split the series. Throws up a 50 spot. Game he, six. He goes, he goes hold, on, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, no, no. I know this is, there's going to be a lot of hold-ons here because this is an emotional thing. But I want you to know something because we're not going to get to graduation after because I'm going to end it right now. That guy had every right in the world to go to the graduation. He had every right in the world. Okay? But if you don't want to hear it from the fan base, you have to win the game. That's it. You know why Jordan never heard nonsense about playing 36, in, 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 uh, 36 rounds uh, holes of golf before a playoff game? Because he won the playoff games. That's why you never hear it. I, don't, I do not put a fork in Vince Carter because he went to graduation. It's very important. It was very important to him. It was very important to his mom. It was a special moment. But when graduation's at 3 o'clock and you have a game seven game at eight, if you're going to go, you have to win. And if you don't win, you have to take the abuse. That's who what is, being a professional That's what being a professional athlete is. You don't have to agree with Vince Car- Who was Vince Carter's second best teammate on that team? Uh, that team, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you that the, that he didn't carry the team. He absolutely did. He was the best player on the team by far. I think the sec, I remember Del Curry was inbounding the ball. He wasn't the second best player on that team. Um, Del Curry was seven points a game. Yeah, no, 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 I know. So to me, I think the second best player on that team, because T-Mac was, T-Mac was gone, right? The guy, the second most points per game on the roster was a 33-year-old Antonio Davis. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was going to be my next one. So Okay. Then you're, just, talking, then you're talking Keon Clark, Alvin Williams, Mo Pete, Chris Charles, Akeem we're, we're not We're not disaligned here, Bello. I'm just saying that every, every Raptors fan out there, you cannot tell this man that he cannot go do that magical moment in his life. You cannot do that. But because he didn't win, they have the right to be upset. That's just ammo in the tank. So you already said the dunk contest. We're both aligned on that. That was fucking incredible, man. It was so cool. Like, and <laughs> typical Toronto fashion. He does the elbow in the basket. 
Um, that was his second last dunk. His last one was uh, two-handed from about a foot and a half inside the, the free throw line. Thibaut Vashi comes back, his elbows hurt, and everyone's all over him again. Like, you just did this amazing thing. And it, it might not even be related, but everyone was like, well, why'd you do it? And so that's just Toronto sports fans for you. Um, one of mine was the game three right? First game back in Toronto, second round series, AI just put up, I think he put up 54, 59, something like that. And he comes back and is just a stud. And one of the things that you said about his three-point shooting percentage. This is good his entire we, career. We talk about this a lot, uh, or at least we listen to when people talk about this, but when they're talking about all-time players, I feel like this guy was almost before his time. And you drop 2001 Vince Carter into 2020 this guy is like all nba put it in put it in stone this guy's getting on the all in all nba and we brought it up already that he was there were three shooting guards t-mac him and uh and and kobe uh wade wasn't in the league yet a lot of people would have would have picked vince any other memorable moments because i have a few but i might let you finish so um I'm going to get to my last memorable thing about Vince in a second. Um, the one thing I will say is back to that series against Philly and his unfair criticism for all of that is it's insane how good Iverson was in that series. We're talking about a guy who went 36 in game one, 54 in game two, 30 in game four, 52 in game five. Oh, talk about carrying a terrible team. We, we, now, if the Raptors win, they get crushed by the Bucs anyway in the next round. They went 42 and 40 that year. It's the not Buc like, it's not like Buc we were voted. Bucs should have went, yeah. went, yeah. went to the finals. As Agreed. Is. But game six on the line, Vince throws up a 39. And that's just what he did with that garbage roster all of the time. My, in terms of memories, Vince Carter is the greatest in-game dunker in the history of the NBA full stop. Uh, no conversation. You, you and I have talked there about is, this. There hold is, on, hold there on. Is, you and I have talked about this. I have, I have held Neek in that conversation as well. So I'm not saying that he's not. I'm not saying he's not. But Neek was. Neek was violent. Neek was violent. He was nowhere near the in-game dunker that Vince was. Vince was throwing 360s and windmills in-game on people. And this is not one of those things where, like, it's a Gerald Green where his head touches the rim that one cool time. It's like, no, he was doing that every game. Every game. He is the most incredible in-game dunker, full stop. Neek has an argument. Young Kobe has an argument. Jordan, too. Okay, Jordan get, to, has an get, argument. Get, to, get to one of your memorable moments here because we got we to keep going. That is his career in Toronto is my memorable moment. Okay. He is one of my all-time favorites, and anyone that thinks otherwise is just being a dick. One of my memorable moments is just him sitting on the sidelines in his terrible suits, laughing and chatting it up with the boys. So uh, I guess I'm being a dick. The trade. We're not going to go through the entire thing. You already mentioned it. Uh, sorry, we're not going to go too, too deep into this, as you, we've already touched on it. But the deal was Alonzo Mourning, Aaron Williams, Eric Williams, a 20, 2005 first, and a 2006 first, both unprotected. My question to you is this, Ian. Obviously, with hindsight being, 20, hindsight being 2020, and the fact that the Raptors organization was completely useless and they didn't know how to draft, drafting Joey Graham over Danny Granger, which at the time was completely egregious, and nobody, nobody would, nobody thought it was the right move at the time. And then in 2006, dumping Jalen Rose with cash and that pick for what, eight games or 17 games of Antonio Davis in, in his twilight for the Knicks? Embarrassing. So forget about what the Raptors did with it because it's bad enough. If but I think put, that's important. But, I think but, that's important. No, no, you hang on. Hang on. I think it's important. It is important. Well, it's important it's to, important, to the conversation it's of Vince important Carter. To recognize, it's important to recognize a franchise so inept gets blessed with this talent completely shits the bed for the entirety of his career with the franchise. Then when it comes time to trade him, trades him for a poo-poo platter of nothing. So it is important to understand when we talk about where Vince's career and how he should be viewed by Raptors fans, well, he should be viewed a whole hell of a lot better than that organization should who literally got the Vince thing wrong 
from start all the way to finish. I agree with you. Not, not disputing that. If you drop that trade into 2020, do you think that trade is enough for Vince? You're talking an established player. That trade isn't enough for 42-year-old Vince. Oh, come on. Two firsts? Yes, it is. It, you're so, talking a Joey, so, on. Joey Graham, forget, the pick about- became Ronaldo Balkman, and three players who barely played. No, I would say yes. No, forget about what they became. My question to you is, Alonzo Mourning, who failed to report, we understand, again. Literally I, didn't I come. I, I wish know. the other guys didn't come. I know. I know. I know. I'm just saying. A headline name, two role players, and two first-round picks for Vince. Wait, who's the headline name? Well, Zoe's the headline name. It doesn't mean he's good. It doesn't mean he was good at the time or that it actually was going to work out. I'm just asking. In general, the structure of the deal, you put it in 2020, you've seen all these deals for Paul George, for Anthony Davis, for guys like that. If you put it in 2020... It's not even oof. close enough. Okay. Then that, that was my only question. A superstar, a superstar who's around 25 points a game, shoots 40% from three, and can be the focal point of your offense that's nowhere close. That trade is almost as bad as a James Harden trade. And under contract, and you traded him within the division. Yes, all that being said. I think that if you – my opinion was if you just take out what we know now, which is difficult, and you just drop that trade into 2020, I don't think it looks as bad. As, because we only knew hindsight back then. It wasn't a social media era. We didn't have that. So to me, that was my point. But I agree with you. Egregious, the, the return that they ended up getting. And what they did with those picks. Oh, my God. Again, to your point, like, I, I, don't, I don't blame Vince for having problems with management. I, I, so, he, so nothing, you say, he had nothing but issues with that. And, and so I, one and thing I will say about the trade, you say dropping the trade into 2020. That is like trading a superstar for Miles Plumley. Christian Felicio and Timothy Mozgov, two meaningless first round picks. That's basically the equivalent. Mm. None of those guys were roster players. You don't know if they're Alonso Mourning was 34 at the time. Yeah. So it's like trading for Marcus Saul, Aaron, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, and two first round picks. One of them is at 16, and one of them is in the 20s. Thinking that, thinking that Eric and Aaron Williams are anywhere as good as either Holiday brother is sad and hilarious all the I same didn't, time. I didn't say Drew. I, it's just for the comparison. I, my, my point is, I, think that, I just don't think, and again, you are the Raptors homer here as I am the least homer. I just don't think that if you just look at the base of it in 2020, it's as bad as what it looks like in hindsight. It's my only point. So last, we got here. Should his jersey be retired, Ian? Stansfield, what is your answer? Yes. And are you okay? Are you okay with him being the first Raptor? Who's ideally, ideally, the best, the first Raptor to have his jersey retired should be Kyle Lowry. There should be no other player that wears a number seven in the history of the franchise. Period. Yep. End of story. Yep. Now, there, um, there was an idea float around around Raptors Twitter um, that basically said, "What if you? What if we made a?" What if we made the Raptors made a ring of honor and what if they made a ring of honor and the first, and it was by Ryan Wolstat with the sun. And he basically said the Raptors should have a ring of honor where they should have Vince Bosch, all those guys. And the first retired uniform should be that of Kyle Lowry. Now I like that idea, but anyone who thinks that Vince shouldn't be honored is out to lunch. Okay. Out to lunch. So I'm I'm out to lunch, and I'm I'm gonna start. But here. I honestly, honestly, I can't help you. I can't I, 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 help. I don't, you. I don't need help. I'm fine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get to this. I want to walk you through my process because I still hadn't decided until when we came into this. Okay. My feeling on Vince, because when I really rounded into form as a sports fan, was closer to the end of his time in Toronto, and at the time, I was a Piston fan, as you well know. I was a Piston fan. I loved Vince. Guy was all-encompassing. Guy was incredible. So let me get there. I know you want to jump in. My overall feeling was that forever was that Vince should not get anything. Not a statue. Definitely not a, sorry, definitely not a statue, not a jersey retirement, and should not even be welcomed back in the city. That was always my feeling. I stood at the finals game, game five, with you when he was honored 
stood and clapped for him because I feel bad about everything that went that happened. There's always two sides to every story. There's always two sides to every story. And to me, number 15 is synonymous with Vince Carter in this city. I, Ian, when I played basketball, okay, again, uh, <laughs> to anyone who's an athlete out there, this is like grade eight basketball, right? Not even high school. I wore 15 for Vince, right? So I love the guy. He broke my heart. Even not even as a, as a Raptors fan, as a member of the, of the Toronto community, he broke my heart. Bosch so. was worse. No, I don't think so. He yes, was, it was. No, Bosch was. He, no, he, Bosch, he, Bosch was he didn't have the standing. He didn't have the standing that Vince had. You're out of your mind. No, he didn't. To me, to me, the the fact that the there are even Raptors fans out there debating whether the jersey should be retired is so beyond moronic that I don't even want to engage with those people. So I'm finding myself not wanting to engage with you on this. In terms of the greatest Raptors of all time, he is no no less than fourth. I agree with you. Absolutely none. Yep. And and if the fourth best player in your franchise's history isn't getting his jersey at least acknowledged, I, then can I, I, can, I cannot help you. His jersey should hang in the rafters. His jersey should be honored. And I came into this that it shouldn't be retired. But the one thing, after all the bullshit, the one thing that always kept coming back to me was, I'll always think of 15 as Vince. It doesn't matter who wears it. I'll always think of 15 as Vince. So I reserve the right to hold off, but I came, you know what? No, I came into this. I was honoring Vince Carter's number. The number 15, the number 15 should be in the rafters. I'll retire it. The last person to wear number 15 for the Raptors. Uh, I don't know, but I will say, but it, can you ready I for the list? You ready for the list? Yeah, sure. Greg Monroe, Eric Moreland. Yeah. Anthony Bennett, Amir <laughs> yeah. Johnson. Yep. Jorge Garbajosa. I like that guy. I thought he was good. So we're, if, if any of these players, if they're number 16, no one's losing a minute of sleep. Are you ready? Are you ready? I came into this that he was getting honored as number one was getting retired. But there's something in my head that I cannot get out is that 15 is Vince Carter. Even though I thought he was overrated. I thought that he did dirty on the city when he left. And I don't care what you do to management. I don't give a fuck what you do to management. It's your business. This is your job. I didn't like what he did to the fans. That dunking comment still just drives a freaking screw right into my, into my temple. But we should retire the jersey. And that's coming from me. Without question, and, it should. And I don't think it's without question. I think it's with question. I think you should have that conversation. Did, and, but before we get to our, our last topic, I also think Kawhi should be should be uh, retired. Without question, it should. He should and have the statue. Me, he should have a statue a, up front a statue too. Statue should have all of it. And I think, and I think there's a lot of Raptors fans that don't think that. So after all of that runaround, after all that disagreement, we ended up agreeing. Which uh, honestly, I don't feel great about. I still don't love retiring his number, but I just think it's the right thing to do. And I won't look at 15 in any other person's uh, on any other person's body and not think of Vince. So I think that's that's the that's the main argument here. So we got. Uh, we got through Vince, Ian. You got quick hitters for me? Because I got some for you. Um, I have one last note on Vince. This guy was involved in some fascinating traits. And I think if you, if you had a case against Vince, the case is why did he get traded so much? And instead of the well, he told our fans this and that. That's silly. The fact that he constantly got traded for 50 cents on the dollar and in the Raptors case, one cent on the dollar, that would be the question to ask. Because do all of these GMs just not think he's a winning player? If there was an angle to go, that is the angle. The angle isn't, oh, he said he doesn't want to dunk anymore. You know what? If management surrounded me with that dog shit for all that time, I wouldn't want to dunk either. Dunking speaks to the fans, be. not to angle, management. Stop the angle it. should be, the angle should be, why did he keep getting traded for so little? That needs to be the angle. He was traded, he was traded, what, what are we, four times, including his draft day? 
and then bounced around at the end of his career due to, you know, age and free agency and all that other stuff. Now, his teammates loved him in every spot. Jalen Rose swears by Vince Carter. So I don't know what it is. If there was an angle, that's the angle. I have my angle. I'm taking it. So we're skipping quick hitters because in full disclosure, we came into today. There was a lot of sports to talk about. We came into today with the hope of we're going to try something out. We, all of our podcasts have been around an hour, range from an hour to an hour and a half. And we are well past the hour mark. So I'm just going to do mine to you. I don't need you to do yours to mine. Ian, three quick things. Would mm-hmm. you rather watch tennis or golf? Tennis. Women's tennis specifically. Women's tennis is baller. The game or TI? The game. Lakers or Clippers this year? Lakers. Good. So to a final note. This is our fifth episode. Our goal is to have a lot more. This week, we are going to be putting a lot of work into getting us up and running on YouTube. Ian is going to be taking a much uh, much larger role in making sure that our Twitter is tight because I think that we can do a lot more conversation pieces on Twitter. And I know that he, he does a lot of work on that side of it. But Ian, I had a question for you. We've done five episodes. You work with your brother. This is something you're doing with your, with your family. Do you find that difficult? Have you found any challenges? What do you feel? I feel like when you say stupid shit, it bothers me even more than it would with a total stranger. That has been another edition of the From the Stands podcast. Ian, sign him off, boy. Well, if you listen to the whole thing, Vince's number is getting retired. There's no two ways around it. Um, we're thrilled with what's going on with the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, couldn't give any less of a shit about baseball as long as those players are healthy. And we love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you in a week.